Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Michael Wald, and welcome to Ask the Blood Detective. We have a new feature today that I need to let you all know about, and it'll allow you to ask questions about this show, even if you're listening to the show from the archives section of the PRN website. So please get your pen and paper, and let me give you the phone number that you can call in and leave your questions. The phone number is 1-862-800-6805. I'll say it again. One eight six two eight hundred six eight zero five, and what you do when you call there is leave the name of the show, and today's show is disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking. I'll say that again. It's a it's a big one. Disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking, and then of course leave your question. So you call up, you give the name of the show, and leave your question. So I thought I would do something quite a bit different today in terms of the perspective of today's show topic. It is a discussion of how disease in the body and also dis-ease, which is simply that level of ill health that is somewhere between being healthy and being dead with all seriousness. So... I've said this before on prior blood detective shows that a person doesn't simply wake up one day usually and have disease. It may seem that way, but disease is a process and so is health. Sometimes that process is obvious. Let's say someone experiences relative health and then they develop joint pains over time, muscle aches, their thinking gets foggy. They might absorb some, uh, experience some eczema, maybe some depression. My point is that a bunch of signs and symptoms can show up over time as body processes break down more or less and to different extents in that individual. And that individual might be you. Before individuals generally experience signs and symptoms, and by the way, a sign is something you would see. So someone else might look at you and say, you look yellow. That's a sign. And a symptom is how you express, express how you feel. So doctors talk in terms of signs and symptoms. They gather up in a sense such that, let's say you have a disease of your red blood cells. Your red blood cells may break down and release bilirubin into your blood which has a yellow coloring to it, and that deposits in your skin. And it may deposit in your skin and deposit in your skin until enough is concentrated there that anyone outside of you would say, you look a little yellow or a lot yellow. It might get so bad that the bilirubin pigment might also deposit in the whites of your eyes. And the term for that is icterus. And that could be from a hemolytic Red blood cell disease, hemolytic meaning the red blood cell simply breaks down and it's lysed, it's broken up, hemolytic, hemolysing. Or you might have liver disease and experience the exact same symptoms. The point here is that symptoms add up to a point where they're finally noticed. They're either noticed by someone outside of yourself, they're noticed by you, or they're noticed on laboratory tests. Now, back to the title of the show. This is Disease as a Psychic Reaction to Bad Thinking. Before I describe what that is, for those of you just joining us for the first time, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I run a holistic practice in Westchester, New York, which is located an hour north of New York City. For the questions uh, that you have, I gave a number, a phone number for PRN, which is one 800 6805. You want to leave your questions there and also you must put the name of the show. 
Otherwise, we will not know how to attach your questions to the, to the show and, and then answer them for you. Disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking implies that the way we think, and we'll just call it good or bad right now, has some effect, reacts in our bodies, perhaps in the universe too, in such a way as to produce disease. And we talk about this when we speak about what's known as psychosomatic illness in healthcare or in medicine especially, and in psychiatry. Psychosomatic implying that the psychic or the psyche has certain thoughts and they translate into physical changes in the body that can be seen or measured in some way and that may also and often do affect one's health. Now I can tell you, at least this is my experience and my perception of things, does not make it true, it's just my perception that in the 29 years that I've been practicing, I have seen and believe that most individuals that come to me have some component of psychosomatic reaction. Now, Psycho, I said, has to do with the psyche, and soma, or somatic, has to do with the physical body. Now, for those of you that are, and I'll say truly holistically minded, that are not just acknowledging on some intellectual level that, oh yes, of course there's a connection between what we think and our physical bodies. There's not only a connection There is no connection, actually. Which brings me to the next point, is that the body and the mind, or the energetics that are the mind and the body, are not connected. They are one thing. And you might say, well, that's a minor point. Okay, so they're connected. The issue, though, and this is the very first point that I want to bring up during the show that pretty much everything else on the show will revolve around is this. The words that we use are important. If we say that something is connected, that implies that they were somehow or could be separate and they were connected or can be connected. So we have words in our language like connected, which create a false reality to which we and our minds relate to. And I'm proposing that that false reality, such as describing something like the mind and body as connected things, can give us disease. If we think of mind and body, think of a page, a piece of paper, and you're writing down mind body. What I'm saying here verbally might be written as mind slash body, which we might look at and say, well, okay, well, there's a connection between these two. We're going to think of them in a connected way. And if we take it a step further, we would say, well, they, they are beyond connected. They are one thing. And to relate to mind body in any other way than one thing, is wrong. And if we relate to mind-body wrongly, let's say in medicine, we say there's a mind and a body, and therefore the structure of medical education would have separate classes on the mind, psychology, psychiatry, and all sorts of separate areas of study and compartmentalize learning on the body because it's separate. They teach that down the hall, another wing of the, of the medical school, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Um, that structure in the world of how things are taught in a physical brick-and-mortar school, all of that came out of incorrect thinking about the mind-body and therefore incorrect thinking about the mind-body connection. 
you guys are perhaps some of the smartest people around. And I say that because somehow on some level, by even listening to a show like this, you have more than just a clue and more than just a belief, whether you realize it or not, because you are listening to this radio station, that what I'm saying is actually a truth. That mind and body, the only split, here's the point, the only split that there is between mind and body is entirely artificial and one that exists only on paper if you care to split it on, a, on the page. So when it comes to medicine and the structure of healthcare and so-called disease care, we have a medical education and also much of holistic medication is really not holistic. They also divide out different sections of the body. We might learn the chemistry of vitamins and minerals in one course, and then we might learn about some common healthcare problems in another course. And there isn't a discussion necessarily that, that takes place of the chemistry of vitamins and minerals and how they work within these health conditions. But the fact that they're taught in different classrooms, or at least by different teachers, or that could be the same teacher, but on, uh, uh, in the form of completely different segments of learning, I am saying is what has created a lot more disease. And maybe more importantly than that, prevents healthcare providers and anyone who thinks this way in these false, what I would say, verbal splits. There is a mind, there is a body. Let's teach chemistry of vitamins and minerals over here. Let's talk about disease over here. Rather than having it all done at one time in the context of the oneness of all of it. Now this may sound like philosophy, but it's not philosophy. What I'm talking about is semantics. So let's let's talk a little bit more about um, a small but important fact. Well, it's not so small. And that is the word, the words we use. Because I'm letting you know now, if you don't have a clue yet, that the way in which you think is based upon how you relate to words. If you relate to words as mind, body, or split, you will never, I would say, get to the level of health that you want. How could I possibly predict that? Because the words give you a reality which allow you to experience the world and understand it which includes your health, right, which is in the world, or your lack of health, in a particular way. Simply put, if you're looking through the world for the answers to your health problems through a filter that is red, and you're looking for the pink cure, you will likely never see it. And if you do see it, it's entirely by accident. And it does happen. In other words, people with filters, let's say the filter of medicine, regular medicine today in the United States works a certain way, even though it's loaded with wrong evaluations because it's based upon thinking that is not consistent with how the world is. Well, well, how is the world? Well, that's a loaded question. I'll give you one example of how the world is. We are part of, let me say that better. Well, let me say it wrong first. Here is it wrong. We are part of our environment, which is the the planet Earth and the rest of the universe. As an organism, you are an organism. You function in the universe as what I might call an organism as a whole in the universe. When I say to you, organism as a whole in the universe, I am not splitting those words on the page because any splitting is artificial, any splitting, because they're one, right? 
So organism as a whole in the universe is written as one long word with no spaces and no dashes in between them. You might say, well, what, why are you focusing so much on the written word on the page? Well, when you read things, and we are con- constantly reading, and we are exposed to false splitting, separating words and using our words incorrectly, it changes our nervous system, it changes our chemistry, it changes our cells. How is that true? I am, I'm expressing to you that if you were to believe that there really was a split between you, your body, and your environment, then you would be relating to the world very differently, believing that. And your physiology and the physical structure of your body would change. And and this is a big concept right here that not only would you buy your body change for the for the worse from a health perspective or a health potential because you are relating to the world falsely thinking falsely that you are somehow artificially separated from your world your body will adjust to that. And if you related to the world as if your body was one with your environment as a whole, organism as a whole in the world, then the possibilities for health would be very different for you. Your relatedness, how you relate to the world would be more correct And those in general semantics, particularly a Dr. Borzybski, who wrote a powerful piece of work in his book called Science and Sanity, the first edition was in 1921, was well aware of these problems, we'll call them, in how we use our written words, and not just written, but how we use those words in our brains. And when they're used wrong, then our bodies function wrongly. They function incorrectly. And not only do we develop all sorts of physical problems, but he proposes, and I agree, that much of the psychological problems that people face today, anxieties, depression, insomnia, even schizophrenia, bipolar, and others could really be manifestations of the incorrect use of words that have been inculcated in our nervous systems. Therefore, our nervous systems must develop relative to these incorrect use of words. The structure of our brains, what he calls the electrocolloidal structure of our brains, becomes other than what it should be. And that feeds the false readings of the world, feeding upon itself in this never-ending morass of wrongness. That's a lot to take in. Fundamentally, the word or the words that we use when we're describing our lives and everything in it, our experiences... We need to recognize that the words are not the experiences we're we're describing. Words really are sounds or written language that we're using, a feeble attempt to describe what we experience. And the thing is this, there are more negative words, it's been said in the English language than positive ones, so perhaps we're more predisposed to negativity or negative tendencies. But those who study general semantics, like myself, have come to believe that it's not so much our language. Sure, I'd love fewer negative words. If there is such a thing, that might be another conversation, because negative and positive, these are those are philosophies that are imposed upon words. 
but it's the the way in which we use our language that is the problem, not so much the, the, the words in our language. I'll say more later. Now, to reorient for a moment, disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking. There is no condition you can name that a person could not develop from cancer to autoimmune disease to conditions we say are genetic that cannot be caused or worsened by bad thinking. Bad thinking meaning, or at least partially meaning, that we use words incorrectly in our relatedness to the world and, of course, each other. When I say there is a relationship uh, that, you, that you are, that you have, as an organism, as a whole in your universe, even the word relationship can be harmful uh, from a general semantics perspective. Because again, if we say something is related, we're saying it's not the same. It's related instead. But if we break up the universe into pieces, let's say the clouds and the oceans, the moon and the oceans, um, Mercury and our brains, these are artificial splits. But we'll say, well, there's a relationship because I live in the universe, so do they. Everything in the universe is pulling on each other. So there's a relatedness. Well, on one level, I get that correctness of the word relatedness. But when you look at the larger picture, it, we're just one thing. And you might say, well, why are you, why are you pulling out that, that little detail? I mean, is it necessary? Does it matter? That's a, that's a good question. If we think of ourselves, see, when I said that you are an organism as a whole in the universe, um, or I said you are an organism as a whole in, in the world, <clears throat> what I really meant to say, and what I was thinking at the time when I said it, is that you are part of a greater whole that extends to the furthest reaches of where all of the multiverses go. I do believe that there is no change in the universe that takes place that doesn't pull on everything else in that universe or other universes because they're all connected. Again, even the word connected suggests that they are separate and they've been connected, but that's not true. So if a scientist thinks of that as they're connected, he or she would think about his or her evaluations in a certain way, in a wrong way. You know, I want to tell you something about, it's really a short quote from the, the Talmud, and it says that teaching without a system makes learning difficult. Now, why is that so important to the topic today, which is disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking? Well, let me tell you once again what the Talmud said. Teaching without a system makes learning difficult. Although I agree that teaching without a system makes learning difficult, it's important that we realize that any system that we use to learn is made up. For example, there's a medical system which fundamentally consi consists of compartmentalizing gastroenterology from endocrinology to OB to oncology, hematology to uh, internal medicine to dietetics and neurology. We can, the, the, uh, the list of compartmentalization goes on and on. The point is that that is the structure of learning in a medical school and students go from one classroom to another and they learn that those bits of information. There, of course, is sometimes some overlap between the two. For example, in the physiology class I took in medical school, there's mention of medications at certain points. There's also mention of certain biochemical aspects I might find in the biochemistry class, but there isn't an integratedness of all. For example, in biochemistry, we learn 
some nutrition there. And then we have a few nutrition courses on average adding up to something like 33 hours within the entire medical education. But there isn't a detailed discussion of the role of nutrition, let's say, as fundamental for all tissue repair. And and if one believed that, that nutrition is responsible or is a, a part of or an influencer of all tissue repair in the body, we would have to include nutrition in all of the courses, right? But because there is a belief in medicine, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that that is not true, it is not appreciated across all of the healing uh, compartmentalized areas of education. So the belief system influences the structure of learning. And then, of course, young people go into medicine, generally speaking, uh, you know, out of a four-year institution, and they were usually good in math and science, and their mommies and daddies say, you're good in math and science, become a doctor. Some of those those kids are excited about healing. Some of them, it's just an intellectual exercise. It's not like when you're interviewed, beyond your basic interview that you might expect, which is uh, nothing special, um, there's no deep psychological inquiry into the the heart of, and mind of that student other than the interviewer saying, you know, convince me that beyond your grades, which you clearly have, uh, convince me that somehow you will be an exceptional force in the healing profession of medicine. It just doesn't happen that way. What happens is, depending on who interviews you um, and what mood they're in that day, you're either in or you're out. Um, so my point is that there is a structure of medicine and there's also a structure of um, holistic health care, or I should say there are many structures. So in other words, there's a different structure of learning in one acupuncture school, which may be very different than another acupuncture school. When I went to acupuncture school in uh, New York City some years ago, the president on the very first day of, the, of school came in and said, listen, for those of you who believe there's all sorts of uh, invisible energetic meridians around and they're going to stimulate chi and all this stuff, the answer is no. That's not a f- the philosophy of the school. The philosophy of the school is you stick needles into the skin. The needles stimulate certain uh, sensory pathways which are known in uh, neuroanatomy and they may relax a muscle, uh, that sort of thing. It's very basic and it's nothing uh, wacky. And then I, I hung in in that school for about two years, and then I, I dropped out. But my point, though, is, as the Talmud said, teaching without a system makes learning difficult. So physicians and other nutritionists, too, not just acupuncturists, I just gave that as a, an example, they learn under a certain way. So if you have a nutritionist, so when I went to the um, the University of Bridgeport and, and got my master's degree in nutrition, and I actually sat in the classrooms, not online, what happened was I had separate classrooms too and I had separate concepts in all the classrooms. We didn't have a separate class beyond those where someone said, here is how it all works together as one. It didn't happen. So the student is left to put that together or not. Or at least they learn to say it's together. Those of us in natural medicine, and I'm generalizing here, seem to have a philosophy of it's sort of all holistic But beyond just giving lip service to the word holistic, uh, I'm not seeing a lot of holistic anything practiced in natural medicine um, at all. I mean, it exists, um, but it's 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 rare. So I've I've used the term holistic mindedness before in my shows, because if you approach your health health problem consciously by saying what are the holistic connections? Where are the holistic connections? Your brain will work differently and it will start to see things that it did not previously before that were right in front of it, right in front of you. But it couldn't see it because you were not coming from the right perspective. But I personally have a belief that these various systems in medicine, the system of chiropractic education, the system of nutrition in universities, 
like the University of Bridgeport, which I think is a fine school from a from an informational an informational perspective. I'm not really criticizing uh, the school. I mean, all the schools are making this mistake of criticizing other schools and criticizing other methods of healing, and everyone is using a limited system. So if you learn holistic nutrition in, let's say, your school or some course you took, but you, you, don't, you don't have an appreciation, let's say, for how medicine works, or you don't have an appreciation of how uh, chiropractic works or how laboratory fits in, then there's nothing holistic about it. I do not believe that holistic approaches to health problems should only involve the acknowledging the acknowledgement that everything is connected. It must involve the individual practitioner and the patient that might be you to be open-minded to whatever comes up. But to realize that if you have not received the type of healthcare that you've wanted before and you've tried everything else and you've done all these things, you might have gotten health care through a limited system. A practitioner who is limited in his or her perspective as he or she applied the healing modalities to you. What's really interesting too is another fallacy or another, another error that we all make from time to time but if we recognize we make this error and correct it, we might get somewhere with our health and have fewer psychic reactions that f- cause bad thinking that end up as disease in our bodies, which is the title of today's show, Disease as a Psychic Reaction to Bad Thinking. And it's this. People sometimes will say to me, Dr. Wald, I am going, I tried this food allergy method. I tried this weight loss that worked for all my friends or I read online or I read this book. And these people seem to achieve health and wellness and all their results. And I did not get those results. What's wrong with me? First of all, for you to use the same method as another is probably wrong. Because you're not the same person as another person. And even when you think you're using the things, you know, the, the methods the same way as another person, you, you might be forgetting for a moment that you are constantly changing every moment of every day. And you're, you're not really using the same method. Which means that each thing Whatever it is you need for your health needs to literally be formulated around you as a unique individual, as a unique organism, as a whole in your universe. Those are not just words. For those of you just joining me, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I practice in Westchester, New York, about an hour north of New York City. You can reach me with questions at 914-552-552. One four four two, and you can go to my website at intmedny.com. Lots of videos and lots of content to download, and you can email me directly to work with me as a patient, either at a distance or in person, or to send me your show ideas at info at blooddetective.com. And the phone number to ask questions that will be categorized for this show specifically is one 6805 So you leave the show name, which is Disease as a Psychic Reaction to Bad Thinking, and leave your questions. So there is no using the same approach because sameness is impossible because all is always changing. The molecules that comprise your cells, tissues, organs are all in constant flux. They're in constant change. They're in constant metamorphosis. They're in constant growth, constant degeneration, constant repair towards disease or away from disease. 
And there are things that we can do to move that spectrum one way or another in almost every case. If you think that's not possible, if you're using the words, it is not possible in your brain, then guess what? It ain't possible. Another falsity that I've seen in certain people is expecting that your future, I should say expecting that your health efforts that once worked for you should always work for you in the future. So you'll say to me, Dr. Wald, I have had you know, lupus, cancer, multiple sclerosis, headaches, gut issues, skin issues, energy issues, whatever the problem is. And I used to do this. I used to drink this tea. I used to do that. And it's not working anymore. If it worked every time, I would be more shocked. So when I hear that, when I hear that it doesn't work anymore, Dr. Wald, I am not thrown by that because I would expect that as a reality of how the universe works. Everything's in constant change. How can everything that once worked for you work always? It might, but sometimes it does not, or whatever you're doing is not. So I think about the next thing. Another concept, expecting that what you might hear out there, in other words, let's say there's, a, there's something playing in the news and the media that's trending. Uh, we'll call it a paleo diet, for example. I don't mean to pick on the paleo diet, but it is an example of something that has gone you know, viral, et cetera, et cetera, um, calming down a little bit now. But a falsity that I hear that will interfere with your health is expecting that a healing concept or idea like the paleo diet or the food uh, or the uh, blood type diet or, or any other health concept that if it's generally accepted by most people that it works. Now, I know logically, you know that's not true. There's a lot of stupid ideas <laughs> that just are. There are a lot of wrong ideas that are accepted by people. And what's interesting about these ideas and practices is that some people will respond favorably to these practices, not so much because of what they are, like their inherent value, but because the mind is, is powerful. So I could put a patient on a high-fat diet and they will lose weight. They're likely going to gain it all back, but there is a time where they'll feel better. There are many times that people come to me and say, Dr. Wald, I took this magnesium pill and it cured my migraines I had for 20 years. Except I observe in this person that <clears throat> it's only been two weeks and it, it almost never happens. So our minds are the healing factors here for the most part, and they can be fooled. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. If you can fool yourself into health or fool your, your mind into creating a certain immune system that manages your cancer, that's real stuff. But remember, the mind is not separate from the body. There is no body slash mind. There is only one word, body-mind. And that means there is no separation of your psychic health, your mind, and your physical body. Any separation, as I said earlier, is a false verbal split on a piece of paper or in your head. And when it's in your head and in the world, that is dangerous because you relate to that as if that is true and then you don't see what else to do for your health. You don't say, well, you know, um, I don't think that the body has a whole lot to do with my health problem because it's body slash mind. I'm going to work on my body because I believe for whatever reason that's the, the problem I have. But if it was the body slash mind slash I'm just throwing a bunch of things out there, slash nutrition, slash toxicity, slash this and that, as one whole long word, 
you would be looking at all those things. And you'd also inherently recognize that they influence one another because they are one thing. So it wouldn't be a surprise to you that if you have hormonal dysregulation you're, and you have a word on the page in your brain called hormones, uh, sla- uh, hormones toxicity, stress, genetics, food, exercise, and if that was one long word, you would know always to examine all of those things because that's just what you would do because that's how it is. It's only when we falsely split these things in our language, in our thinking, and then that translates into a false structure of education and our learning out there that we really start to screw it all up. Let me give you an important example, which has to do with medical diagnosis, okay? So again, first, we're talking about disease as a psychic reaction to bad thinking. That disease shows up when we screw up the emotionality and the relatedness that we have, our thinking to the world. So believing in a diagnosis, okay, so the diagnosis I submit to you is a fallacy. It's a falsity because a diagnosis is only a group of words. They're a group of terms and, well, terms and words are merely tools used by you and basically all humans pretty much to explain the unexplainable. In other words, this disease that you're thinking of, and I guess when you think of disease, what do you think of? You're thinking of, oh, I'm tired, my joints hurt, my joints are swollen, uh, my disease is liver cancer, my disease is hypothyroidism, my disease is hormone disruption. Those words, those are words. What's the disease? It's something other than words that is that will never be the words. Remember, words are tools we use to explain things. But if we relate to words as if they are the disease, we're off the mark, are we not? So your disease, your health problems is or are an occurrence that can never be explained through words. Words are just feeble attempts at describing the indescribable. But if we relate to the diagnosis, which is a bunch of words called rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, cancer, diabetes, arthritis, high cholesterol, those descriptions, those diagnoses are not the disease. So basically, the diagnosis is, uh, or disease, I should say, is a construct of our language. It is how we use our words. We use words like diagnosis to explain phenomenon that are utterly unexplainable, but we do our best. I mean, that is the, that's where we are in our evolution right now. The problem with the fact that a diagnosis is or can never be the disease, right? Because a diagnosis, stay with me, Diagnosis can never be the disease. A diagnosis is a bunch of words. It's a descriptive term. If your doctor says that you're bipolar or you have borderline personality disorder, those diagnoses don't exist in the world. If I cut you open and I'm looking for the bipolar and I'm looking for the borderline personality disorder, I'm not going to see it. Diagnoses are ephemeral sort of <laughs> fleeting puff clouds. They're, they're not anything. But if we categorize you into disease category and treat you based upon the falsity of a term or terms, the diagnosis, then how can that ever optimize your wellness? I am not saying that the diagnosis is entirely useless, but it has limited and created a certain structure of viewing the world and therefore you, because you're in the world, that is absolutely wrong. And if the entire medical system or natural healthcare system 
over relies on diagnoses as if they're actually the things to which we are describing, which they're not. Diagnoses are just words. Words are not the things that they describe. Then we are going to have a very limited, an inherently limited system. So let me say that again, a little differently. That the problem with the fact that a diagnosis is and can never be the disease that we're trying to describe is that our very attempts to define the disease bring us further and further away from the truth. And the truth is only that simple, that your disease title is not what's wrong with you. That's just a stamp on the top of your, you know, a stamp on the, someone stamped on the forehead, stamp, boom, diagnosis. That's not you. There's something much more. The truth being that there's something unexplainable happening. That's disease. It's unexplainable. We try to explain it with words, but words are limited tools. So no matter how much we try to explain it, it we can't fully ever do it. We may, we may not ever get anywhere close. So if the diagnosis is something unexplainable, that is beyond words, then healing methods that come out of that thinking must be wrong. They must be false. They have to be misleading. They could even be dangerous. So a lot of people who criticize medicine and even natural medicine will say that medicine kills people, etc., etc. Uh, people will tell me, yes, my my husband was diagnosed with this disease and they treated him and, and that killed him or they led, led to an operation and then he got this complication. Sometimes doctors forget, I would say often because they're trained for several years in the wrong way of evaluating. They're trained in the wrong semantics. They actually relate to their patients as a disease uh, and as a diagnosis and diagnoses are nothing more than descriptive terms. And by categorizing people within diagnoses, you lose the people. It's, it's, it's essential for healing that any practitioner, medical or not, that approaches a person's problem must be able to look beyond the diagnosis and at the person that has the condition. To paraphrase Plato, it was said that he said that look not at the disease a person has, but the person that has the disease. When I'm mindful of that, the treatments and approaches and philosophies that I use to approach a person can be very different than the next person. So my line of work involves a lot of work changing up what I do with the person and how I do that with that specific person because that's what there is to do because that's more consistent with how the universe works. The universe knows there's no diagnoses. The universe knows that words are only tools, inadequate tools to describe what's happening. And any attempt at describing what's happening with limited tools will always be limited. Here's another example, and it's a simple one. Believing in genes versus environments, genetics versus environment. So I would submit to you that it's not genes versus environment, uh, which implies that there's a split between these two, a separation of opposing forces. The versus says opposing forces between genes and environment. What is it? Is my condition genetic or is it environment or is it a combination? Why can't it be both? Why can't it be one and the other always more or less as we move forward? The only separation between you and, you know, and, and, the, and your genes and your environment is, a, is an artificial one. But if we believe that there's a split between, let's say, our nervous system and the rest of our body cells, 
and act as if there's a split in uh, what happens there, our nervous systems literally start to believe it. You might have heard this, that if you are, let's say, um, thinking of, uh, let's say, playing tennis, and you think about playing tennis, and in your mind you're swinging, you know, you're doing forehands and backhands, and you're approaching the ball a certain way, and you're practicing your your serve, etc., and you go over this and over this in your mind. And they've done these studies with uh, basketball players and other athletes where they have them visualize what they're doing. It is known that they will improve their game and their skills by doing that because the very same structural and physiologic aspects of the of your nervous system that change when you actually do those things, when you're physically playing tennis, let's say, or physically playing basketball, whatever it is, are the exact same neuronal pathways that are activated when you think about it. And you're exercising those pathways, you're lighting them up. Now, if you do both of those things, you actually play and then you really think of improving, that has been shown to improve your skills by changing the physical structure of your nervous system more than if you just played it or if you just thought about it. Does that make sense? You know, Remember what was called a phonograph one time that you know plays music and stuff and records music? When the phonograph, and it's an old instrument, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, don't even quote me, but I, I guess the, the late 1800s. The phonograph records the music and it creates structural changes when it does that. That's exactly how the nervous system works. Now, folks, if you believe that you're going to die of your disease, you're going to create structural changes in your nervous system consistent with that. If you believe that you can cure your condition, if you believe that you can be happy, if you believe that you can be more energetic, if you believe that you are getting younger, then you must do those things and think those things consistent with that those desires and thoughts and wishes and wants so they become more than just wishes and wants and dreams. They actually start to change you structurally and electro, electrocolloidally in your nervous system because then those changes, of course, because they're inherently one with everything else in your body – and, and of course, everything else in your immediate environment and everything else in the far reaches of space will adjust itself too. Now, if, if these changes, okay, that occur in your body that might result from someone saying, no, no, it's genes versus environment. And there are very smart scientists who still think that. It defies common sense to me, but they still say that. But these changes that result from the false splitting of genes versus environment can only result in disease and dysfunction because our bodies are designed as an organism as a whole. What I'm saying is that the reality of our design as human beings is an organism as a whole, which inherently means there's always an interplay of our genetics and our uh, and our environment because they're not separate. They simply, that works that way. And if we think and act and live in any other way that's inconsistent with that, the body forms disease. If we think in the right ways, then our bodies and brains and our use of language allow a level of health to occur that could never happen before. It's kind of like saying, Dr. Wool, how come my doctor doesn't believe in nutrition? He, she's so smart, etc., etc. And I gave them those studies and they looked at them and they thought they were ridiculous. Remember that when a person studies and learns things in one area, let's say like a plumber, and a plumber has certain tools and knowledge and skills, but if you ask that plumber to build your home like a contractor, well, there are certain things that that plumber definitely can do, even beyond plumbing. If he or she is, you know, is ingenious enough and thinks of things, they might take their tools, which are their words and their in limited language. They might adjust their tools somewhat. They might make some progress within what they know, but they're going to fall short 
No one thinks that a plumber can build a house if he or she only knows the skills of plumbing. They have to go outside of their system. And if you and in, in, and in a scientific experiment, if there were a way to have a plumber do this, and the plumber truly not knowing uh, anything other than what he or she knows uh, in plumbing and the use of their own tools, the only way for them to get beyond what they do now, their limitations, is from someone from the outside of them to knock on the door of that house and say, guess what? You're a plumber. These are your limited tools. Now we're going to think about things differently. So this is why people need help because if you are not getting the results you want, you simply need to get help outside of yourself by someone who thinks more consistently with how the universe as a whole works. And you know, I find that lots of people, when they try what seem like all the right natural healing methods and they, and they don't seem to work, they blame themselves. But sometimes it's the practitioner that just doesn't get it, doesn't see things correctly. Or you might blame others for your lack of result. Well, yeah, my, my family's not supportive or something. And you sometimes might actually know exactly why, or at least think you know why, uh, something you tried did not work. My point here is that the, the thoughts that you have about why something may work are still limited to your limited perspective which is why we always must seek someone from outside of us to take a look and say, I don't think that this was correct and here's why. So we, we incorrectly choose sometimes a reason why our healing efforts don't work. We say, well, you know, the, the food make, made me worse. Uh, every time I have allergies, every time I eat all of these foods, I have a problem. So I might say, well, you know, the six foods you're reacting to, you might be allergic to each food, but it's more probable that you have an enzyme or stomach acid problem because enzymes and stomach acids are fundamentally basic to digesting lots of foods. So maybe that's really the problem, not the foods. What I'm trying to say here is that many intelligent people that I see, they are deceiving themselves because they feel that they know what they need and sometimes they do, and they know what they don't need, but they base those conclusions on either false knowledge, let's say off the internet, or incomplete knowledge, or incomplete facts, or incomplete understanding about how this knowledge and these facts work together. So they look at themselves and they draw conclusions. Now, you can do that, but let's say you were learning about new knowledge and facts, let's say for 10 years of your life or 20 years of your life, you might be a lot better at figuring out your needs. So my point is that a lot of people do waste a good amount of time blaming themselves because they can't figure out why things don't work. I was I spoke to a gentleman who got a heart attack who was a vegan who took nutrients for years and years and years and years and listened to some of the smartest people out there, except he never had it really – he never got help to make sure it fit his needs. He couldn't understand why things wouldn't work because he had false knowledge from things that he had learned on the internet and from others, even from other practitioners, but some of it was just wrong. Not devaluing your health. I believe has something to do with you considering that your knowledge is incomplete, that you must work with others to get to the next level. You have to define whatever that next level is in a lot of detail so that your nervous system starts to change physically and in every other way and your chemistry starts to change consistent with you getting there. It's not merely what you're doing to try to get healthy. It's who you're being while you're doing it. So my name is Dr. Michael Wald, and you've been listening to Ask the Blood Detective. The title of today's show is Disease as a Psychic Reaction to Bad Thinking. For those of you with questions for me, you can give me a call at 914-552-1442. That's 914-552-1442. Or email me at info at blooddetective.com. Your question should go to 1-862-800-6805. It's been a real pleasure, and I'll speak with you all very soon.
Show you.